Today, is greatness possible? Friedrich Nietzsche. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah Sullivan. I'm your host. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, we break down strategies and tactics in two areas. That's leadership and performance. And today is a special episode because we're going to break down strategies and tactics and performance specifically. Uh, we may even get into a little bit of of how to make fast, accurate, and quick decisions. So we might talk a little bit about that as well. But the promise that we have for you today is that you know after listening to this episode, you're you're going to be in, not only inspired, but you're also going to have tactics to build your mental toughness, your resilience, and your your ability to accomplish the number one goal that you're after. You know that's what we all want. Really, we want to get to our number one goal as quick as possible, not waste any time, and we all want to succeed. And today's podcast, we are going to deliver on that promise. So when I say we, it isn't just me. I am joined by my co-host and trusted sidekick, Mr. Justin Phillips. What's up, dude? Hello. <laughs> nice, nice uh, octave change there. Thank you. You're, are you fired did you say, up? Did you say octave? Like I mean, a weirdo. Is it? How do you pronounce it? Octave. Octave. I, but it's spelled octave. It's pronounced octave. Your oh. name is spelled Jeremiah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, hey, listen, I never, I never, uh, you know, said that I was the sharpest tool in the shed. So whatever. You hear? You, we we should create a a little like video of me all messing up all these different like small little things. You know, stumbling on the intro or messing up. If I went over like, Octave, if I pulled like all of our podcast episodes and tried to make like a montage of every time you screwed up a word, yeah, it'd be like two hours long. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, imperfect action. All right. <laughs> we could go through and we could clean it up and make it all like, but we got there. Right? Perfect. Like episode, this is episode 89. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise known as the best one we've ever done. Ooh. And is that your forecast? It is my forecast. All right. Well, I think you're going to be right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you are in for a treat today because, uh, of recent, I took a group of Conquer Academy members. And if you're new, if you're new to Conquer Academy, that's my my coaching program uh, where I teach you know leadership and performance to people that want to be the best in their field. Okay, and um, we did a meetup recently. Justin is familiar; he's been tied into the whole thing. He was on our group call this last Tuesday, and it was a really special event. Man, we were calling it the Conquer Quest. And we did it with class 001. It was an awesome time, man, because we had been itching to get out and go do something together as a team. And, you know, last year, everybody was restricted to their, their home states and they, we just couldn't meet up yeah. just because of the quarantine and everything. So it was really nice, man, getting everybody together. And it was a very, very challenging event. Like Justin, like, you know, what we ended up doing was we climbed a 14,000 foot mountain and we did it by starting around midnight. You know, we, we, we met up at 1 AM and we climbed the thing and, uh, it was pretty cool, man. So I'm excited to break down that story, break down that, that quest and pull out strategies and tactics to help somebody succeed, you know, in terms of their, their right. mental toughness and, um, overall resilience. So that's the direction we're headed. And that's what's ahead of the listener. How long did the whole, quest end up taking up yeah so we we started the barbecue around 7 30 8 o'clock at night so okay. it really yeah it took about 18 total hours and i think that some some people got off the mountain in about 16 hours uh so it, it varied a little bit um but for anybody that's never Justin, you and I were talking about why this is such a big feat. I think that's probably the direction we should go first. Maybe talk yeah. a little bit more about what exactly happened out there and break that down for the listener and then put in, you know, comparison and draw the contrast of why this was so significant, you know, and give them some tactics to, to improve themselves and their, their toughness. Yeah. You, so what do you want me to start with, Justin? You're the, you're driving the question train here. So help us. So, question train. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you want to, you want to draw a contrast. And what I was telling you beforehand is that I, it is, it's hard for people, especially if they, first of all, if they don't live out West or for someone that hasn't seen the mountains that are out there before, that's one thing. 
And then gaining this understanding of what it actually takes just physically to and mentally to climb a 14,000 foot mountain yeah, know, and go up that elevation and you're starting at one o'clock in the morning. I mean, I think people, as you put it together in your head, you're thinking like, oh, this sounds difficult, but I feel like a lot of people would have the mentality of like, I could do it if I really tried type of thing, yeah. which most people probably can if they really try. But that's a little bit easier said than well, way easier said than done. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I was talking to somebody recently about mental toughness and they asked me, they said, hey, what do you think is one of the the quickest things that you could do to start building some mental toughness? And I said, do endurance events at night is what I said. I said, go run, go run a marathon at midnight. Yeah. And, and the person kind of chuckled and they were like, well, that doesn't seem so hard, you know? And right. I, and I was, and this is a, not a, like a super, super athletic person that was talking to me about this. And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, they don't think it's that tough. But then I asked the question, I said, have you ever ran a marathon at, at midnight? Yeah. And they, they shut up. They were just like, no. <laughs> And, I, and then they were like, well, I was thinking, I was like, you know, well, if I go to happy hour after work, this is what they said. They're like, I was just putting in a contrast. If I go to happy hour after work and then I'm hanging out and it's time to go to bed. Okay. I know what 11 o'clock feels like now I'm thinking, okay, all I got to do is go run a marathon. They're like, that doesn't sound so bad. And I'm like, yeah, until you have to do it. Until you have to do it yeah. And then it's like, oh shit, what did I get myself into? So, uh, the reason we decided to do this conquer quest one, we wanted to get together as a team, but two the Conquer Academy members wanted to experience mental toughness and they wanted to experience leadership. Okay. And, and so we put the, the, the event together to fulfill that and to help develop them in those areas. And, you know, I put it together in Jeremiah fashion, which was, I wanted to create something extreme and <clears throat> I wanted to make it challenging. Um, and I wanted to create a lot of uncertainty and, and see who showed up and, you know, guide them through the process of, of completing, uh, what could be an impossible task. And so I picked climbing Pikes peak as the challenge because I've done a lot of, you know, fitness related things in my life and climbing a 14,000 foot mountain has been one of the most difficult. Okay. And it's because like you said, Justin, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into until you're at the base of that mountain and you're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing. And then on <laughs> top of that, the higher you go, the less oxygen there is up there. And your body is not only on, under the physical demand, but it starts to be put under a mental demand because your brain feeds off of oxygen. It becomes hard to think up there. Uh, you know, respiration becomes really hard. It just, it becomes a, just a fight, man. And not only is it difficult because of the limited oxygen, but if you're doing it at a fast pace, it's going to be even more challenging. And if you're not used to, if you're not climatized to the Rockies, to Colorado, that's going to be, that's going to make it even more challenging because you know, you're, you're going to start this hike. When we started this hike at, you know, 7,500 feet to start with, which is already hard for people to breathe. Like people that come in here, come to Colorado from out of town and they go yeah. do, they go work out in the gym. They'll do a short little circuit maybe 10 minutes, man. And, or like my brother, when he first got here, he walked up his stairs at the house and he was literally out of breath. He was like, oh, yeah. oh, like breathing, like he had just done a, you know, a five mile run or something. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty difficult, man. And these people, the guys that came out, they flew, they flew in or drove in from all different parts and they confronted a very, very difficult task. And they did it without being, without the perfect conditions. They just dove head first and, and dove in. So it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And I was telling you like a little bit of like what this actually felt like, what it feels like to climb a 14er. Okay. It, it, the best way to draw the comparison is to think about that time when you were maybe a kid or you were whatever it was when you were younger and you were, you were swimming and you got either pushed down by a friend or maybe you were diving super deep into the water. I don't know. Friends do that. It happened to me as a kid. I had a friend. Did, did you have it happen to you? Uh, not a lot, not in water at least, but oh, man, I wasn't in water a lot as a kid either. So well, because I of those kids that would do shit like that. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up like a mile from the lake in Northern California in, in this town called Trinity center. And, uh, I had a friend one time we were out there swimming, playing a horse, horsing around in the water and he pushed me 
and I, and he started freaking out because we were wrestling in the water. He got he started panicking, and so he got aggressive, yeah. and then he pushed me, and then kicked me down under the water, and I went super far, and I was and I was like out of breath, and I was it was like that I got into that stage where you know you felt like yeah you were fucking drowning. So I think everybody's kind of been there a little bit or where you, maybe you, sw- right. you swam one time and you tried to hold your breath really, really long and you started, your body started freaking out. Yeah. Okay. So that moment is kind of what it feels like when you're at the last couple miles of a 14er and you're pushing yourself really hard. Your body is literally freaking out, except the difference is you're not going to be able to come out of the water, quote unquote, for air. And you know that you're not necessarily going to die right there in the moment. So you're in this like limbo, this like space where you're just in constant panic and your heart rate's getting jacked up. You're trying to get yourself back to center, back to being calm. And then you're trying to get to the top of the mountain through all that. So it's a really mental and physical uh, challenging event, man. It's really, really difficult to climb a 14er, especially if you've never done it before. Uh, So yeah, man, it's tough. And that's, that's coming from a guy who's, you know, done quite a, quite a few yeah. physical things. Okay. Yeah, um, done quite a few physical things, haven't you? Yeah. What is the point? Because when you go and do this type of stuff, like people that follow you around, they know that you're Jeremiah. They know you do hard things. They know that you like pain a little bit more than you probably should. And like, but, but what does this all lead to? Okay. What are you, what are you projecting the aftermath of this event is going to be for the people that were there? Really good question. So another reason like big picture, why we wanted to do this event, why the members wanted to, like I said, they wanted to work on their individual mental toughness. They wanted to work on their leadership because that would set them up for success inside of whatever there it is that they're doing. But what it really drives what doing something challenging drives is confidence. One belief in yourself. Okay. Two. And also when you accomplish something like that, one of the members put it very, very well. You know, he said afterwards, he was talking about his experience going up the mountain and how unbelievable the whole journey was and what it did for him as an individual afterwards. And he said, you know, I realized after I accomplished this, what seemed to be an impossible task after I made this impossible task possible. And I broke through numerous physical and mental limits. He's like, I had time to reflect and I rested And the next day. You know, I, I sat back and I realized that while I just accomplished this huge, crazy goal, all my other goals in life, I realized I was writing them with, uh, he said, so we call them big four, your big four goals, the big four things that you're working on. He said, I realized my big four was actually spelt with a lowercase B. (laughs) He said, I realized I was playing small with my other goals in life. And now he's dreaming, he's thinking bigger and the belief in himself is just through the roof. So we all want that. We all want to believe that we can do the impossible. And that's what doing something like this can do for you. No, that's a good point. That's a good point that I didn't think about too, is that it, it would break you through some of those barriers or just give you perspective too on what is possible for you. And I don't know where that would come from for a lot of people when they're thinking of their big four, quote unquote, like if you're listening to this right now and trying to think like, what are my big four goals? You might've only seen like as far as your parents have gotten in life or as far as maybe you have some sort of mentor or something has gotten in life and not seen beyond that. And so your frame of reference is kind of goofed up a little bit. And but okay, so I'm I'm curious to ask you this, too, though. How does it affect your life in terms of the tasks that you're already doing? Would you say that people are going to now go back to their day jobs, for example, or I know our members like train jujitsu and do stuff like that? Will they improve? at that type of stuff because of doing this event or will they be able to stay the same by having an easier time doing so? No. So what happens, uh, <laughs> life gets a lot easier when you do hard things. Yeah. Okay. Regular life gets a lot easier. Now, if you, if you can handle the stress of climbing a 14 or of being up at midnight, being on your feet for 18 hours, when you get done with that and you go to regular your regular life, your regular work, and the regular bullshit that you you confront on a <laughs> daily basis, 
you're you you you're a lot more calm in that situation because of the difficulty of, of what you just been through like for example when i came back from from iraq i was there for 15 months man and i come right. back to the states and that was a stressful experience okay and i come back and then i hear people i met line i'm in in the line one time at like the grocery store or something and some lady or, or guy was i can't remember who exactly but they were complaining about um something that some some like workplace drama yeah okay and they were complaining about it was like a he said she said thing at their work yeah. and then the the person was like completely uh pissed off about right. the drama at work and they were just losing it and i'm sitting there and i'm like man people's problems are so fucking mm. insignificant <laughs> yeah you know i'm like i just spent 15 months in iraq and it was like 120 right. degrees most days now i'm sitting here at line at the grocery store and this person's bitching about their coworker. i'm right. like do you have do you have any idea like what is actually like what's worth bitching about <laughs> right so yeah it does man it drives it drives like you just mentioned it changes your perspective so i you know and i think that as we keep diving into this you know let me just kind of shape the the difficulty a little bit more and what we what we did exactly out there mm -hmm. on pike's peak for the person listening because they understand right now you know you're listening you understand we climbed a 14 or we did it at midnight you're like oh man that sounds tough but here here's here's the details okay so a few weeks ago before the event we committed a date to the conquer quest we said hey we're gonna on june i think it was 12th is the date if i have it right yeah. june 12th we're going to go and we're going to meet up. Jeremiah is going to push us mentally and physically. Okay. Immediately, there wasn't a lot of information being pushed out to the team. Just, just that there was a date and that we were going to do something hard. And then I gave them a once over. I said, hey, here's what you have ahead of you. We're going to attempt to summit Pike's Peak. Although it doesn't look like we're going to be able to summit because there's some construction going on out there. This is a 14,000 foot mountain. Uh, but here's the kicker. We're going to start at midnight. Okay. And, and what that did was it put people in position to be up for 24 hours or whatever it was, right? They get up, they do work, they travel. And then when you lay down at night, like most people go to bed at like nine or 10 o'clock. Okay. When you lay down, you know that you got to get up in like an hour and then you got to go climb a 14 er Okay. And you know, this thing is going to take 12 to 18 hours. That's a really shitty situation to be in. So that was the the concept. And the goal was that as we as we met up, every person was going to rotate, have a leadership role, lead the team up the mountain, uh, manage the team up the mountain. And we were going to do a few events along the way. We had rules that they had to follow. Okay. Everybody had to stay within arm's distance from each other. And if the team got too spread out, there was penalties. Like there was at one at one point, we're on the side of the mountain and everybody's doing push-ups because we, we got spread thin, right? So it's a leadership challenge. You got to keep everybody together. Plus, by the way, it's it's super, super dark. So we, we kicked off the event. Like I said, at, at, uh, it ended up being one o'clock when we met up. We set, we distributed uh, some supplies, some snacks. I gave them all one um, MRE, which is a, a basically a military meal. Said, hey, put that in your bag. Go do some calisthenics. And then let's take off and go up the hill. Everybody had on headlamps. They do some calisthenics. And we start walking. And then I determine and decide that everybody is going to jog. Okay. I'm like, the group is moving and they're thinking, all right, we're in it. Let's go. And I'm like, okay, now we're running. So uh, randomly people weren't expecting that. And immediately we're running uphill, right? So people start getting winded. They don't know how long I'm going to make them run for. And I did that for two reasons. I wanted to immediately sh uh, shake them up create some uncertainty in their mind, get their mind kind of being like, oh shit, what the hell did I just sign up for? Right. Kind of create that panic and then have them deal with it. And then on top of it, I wanted to see what the physical capability was of the team. Okay. I wanted to see who had the heaviest pack that was going to kind of like be dragging everybody down. You know, I wanted to get an overall fitness assessment of the team. So of course we, you know, we started getting spread out a little bit. I got, to, I got that assessment, that feedback we consolidated, um, up the hill and then we kept pressing. Okay. Now, the situation that I gave them, I told them all and I, I instructed one leader at a time and they basically briefed the entire team after I instructed. I said, hey, what you guys are charged with, your mission is that you're part of a search and rescue team. I created this like hypothetical yeah. situation. I said, you're part of a search and rescue team and there has been a civil uprising inside of Colorado Springs, okay? And so there's you know all this fighting going on in the city. You guys 
are, have been tasked to be the advance party for a bigger search and rescue team. And you need to climb up the top of Pikes Peak and establish a distress signal, okay, a giant C, like the letter C, so that helicopters can see your location and they're going to conduct, um, they're going to e evacuate personnel that are coming out of Colorado Springs from that location later on to save the population that's, that's, that's uh, flooding and leaving the city. So that was their mission. The original plan was that there was a, a flat spot a couple miles from the bottom of Pikes Peak that I was going to take them to. I said, I said, Hey, you know, I don't know. I can't guarantee that, that everybody's going to be able to get to the top of this mountain. I go, so let me just plan the mission at this exact spot. This will be a good spot uh, point to be able to establish the SOS signal and then get everybody back down within the time frame that we have allocated. And as we go up, uh, one of the first legs, uh, first segments of the hike, I had one of the leaders who had very little wilderness experience. I instructed him. I said, Hey, take a short pause right here. And I want you to organize the team and have them make a, a, a fire here in, here in the field. And I said, but here's the kicker who, who here knows how to make a fire. People raise their hands. I said, you're not allowed to talk. Okay. So I gave him a leadership challenge. And what I wanted him to do was, you know, command and orchestrate this being in a weird situation and get everybody together to accomplish the goal. So he, he actually did a really good job and he had an assistant team leader that helped him out and they pulled it off. And so it was really cool. And, and that was also to give them a little bit of a rest period because they had been pushing so hard for the first leg and allowed them to kind of get their body used to the elevation change that we just did. So it was, it was twofold. All right. And then we kept pushing up and, um, one of the members had overslept actually, and he, he missed our link up time. So he had messaged us and messaged me in the group chat that we were in. And he said, Hey, I overslept. I'm on my way. So this guy, he ends up just hauling ass. He, he drives, he's local. So he drives parks at the base of the mountain. He's sprinting up the mountain to catch up <laughs> with us. Okay. Pretty impressive. So while that's going on, I got the team and we're continuing to push forward. And one of the guys that had, had that was there had, had signed up and flown in from Hawaii. Like, holy shit. Like he flew in from sea level. Um, yeah. which, you know, he, <laughs> that talk about not being acclimated, right? <laughs> coming in, going to go climb a 14 er And by the way, you're, you're used to being at sea level. So you're already at a huge disadvantage. So I anyway, through, did that show for him during the event? Yeah. So he, he was, he was sucking bad right out the gate. You could tell super, okay. super winded. We were just walking and he was just like completely out of it. Not only that, but he hadn't slept for almost, it was, he, after the event was over, he went almost 48 hours without sleeping. Mm -hmm. Um, he might've gotten an hour or two in that 48 hour window. And it was because he, like I said, he flew in from Hawaii and, uh, had all that traveling to do. So I could tell he was messed, he was messed up and, uh, halfway up the mountain, he was demonstrating some, uh, you know, he was, he was demonstrating that he was extremely fatigued. Uh, his, his, I checked his oxygen levels in his body and his, they were, they were very, very low. And because we were only halfway up the mountain and his oxygen saturation was so low, I, I made the call to cut him from the climb and I told him to stay at the cabin. Okay. This guy, but he was, he was pushing and he challenged himself and he pushed past his limitations from the first step. So he went literally probably, you know, six to seven hours uh, of moving pushing past his limitations, you know, where he normally would have quit. So I, I, I made the decision right there that he was going to stay. We put him at the, at the cabin that was halfway up the mountain. And then I took the rest of the team and we kept driving forward. Made that, I made that decision pretty, pretty quick. And one of the other members was, uh, commented on how fast I made it. And, uh, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people waste time with decisions and I knew that yeah. common sense said, Hey man, this he's going to, I'm going to have to evac him from the top of this mountain, if, if he can, if he can make it up to the top, like he's going to collapse up there. So we just made the decision. So we continue to press on and, uh, the team's doing really well, man. And I mean, they're sucking they're, they're but they're working together and super they're physically. Sucking. Yeah. Like they, they are <laughs> like, like it's like a couple of steps at some points yeah. there's, you know, we do, maybe we go 200 meters, we go 400 meters and it's like the whole team has to stop, catch their breath. 
Um, some people have heavy packs. So then they start working together. They start spreading out the pack that, that are super heavy among the team. And it becomes a, a we game and not a me game to get to the top. Yep. So at that point, we're like, we're, we're, we're pushing. And I, I, I can feel the energy of the team and they have determination in them. And I can tell that they want to get to the top of the mountain. So I'm like, all right, we're going to keep pushing. We're going to go blow past the point that I had marked. Plus we're doing pretty good in terms of time. Let's see what this team's got. And we get to the, we keep pressing and we get towards the last couple miles of the hike. And the last two miles are brutal. Okay. There it's essentially like you're crawling on, on, uh, hands and uh, your hands and feet, like on all fours, right? There's parts of this where you're going to like scale the side of the mountain. Plus the oxygen and the air up there is very, very thin at, one point we're probably about a mile from the top and i would say every single person up there was slurring a little bit because of the lack of oxygen and how much work it was required to get there they're like brain drunk right so everybody is and i'm monitoring them all okay i'm making sure that yeah if they are slurring that they still got their wits about them and that they they know where they're at they know what day it is i'm I'm checking in on and i'm measuring their oxygen levels with the pulsometer along the way and we're doing these little halts and we're continuing to climb as a team well that goes on for hours okay and uh then eventually we we succeed and we all get to the top as a team okay it was a very emotional event a lot of people got choked up fight they're fighting back some tears you know they're already their bodies are already damaged their feet are swollen at this point um they're they're starving because they haven't really ate a whole lot so we take a short pause we take a photo eat some food and we're off the mountain within 20 minutes and then we have to come back down okay so it was 13 miles plus uphill straight up the whole time okay 13 miles eight thousand feet of gain and then on the way back down we had to you know descend the same amount, 13 miles, a little, little bit over at the end of the day. And by the end of the, the final mile was really tough for a lot of people. I asked all the members and you heard them earlier in the week. They said that Tuesday, or excuse me, um, the last mile of the ascent, like getting to the top of Pikes Peak was the, was the toughest. And then the last mile of the descent, basically on flat terrain or rolling terrain at the bottom was the toughest. And so at the end, you know, there was people with bloody feet, Okay. There's, they were fighting back. There's people that were fighting back tears that were so emotionally and physically damaged that, you know, they were just breaking down. But then after we consolidated, went to the barbecue, everybody was happy and fulfilled and a little bit delirious, (laughs) but everybody kept it together and, um, felt really good about their accomplishment. So one guy, one guy didn't sleep for 33 hours. Okay. Um, another guy, there's several people that flew in from sea level, traveled in from sea level and completed it. And, uh, it was a really impactful day for me and it was really powerful and, um, rewarding to see all the, all of them dig in and accomplish something as individuals and as a team. It was really impressive to watch. That's really cool. What role did preparedness play in all of this? So I know, I know a lot of them didn't have like there was no level of training for four years like an Olympian before this type of thing too. But did you, just from what you saw, could the team as a whole been more prepared, less prepared? I was seeing things about, you know, some people were saying in their chats afterwards, like, oh man, I probably should have wore, you know, different shoes for this thing or something like that. Do you think that was? Yeah. So in terms of preparedness, yeah, one one person wore a pair of like uh, street running shoes. Crocs. They were <laughs> no, they were they were <laughs> like a low profile Nike pair, which were not ideal. I was wearing running shoes as well, but I was wearing a pair of on road off road running shoes, and so wearing shoes like that is fine. But yeah, they picked the wrong shoes for that mountain. So preparedness definitely did play a role. But I would say what they did, a lot of them did, and actually, if I could speak for the team collectively, they knew. I would say the majority knew just enough about the event to, or or not enough about the event to keep them committed to it. Okay. Sometimes when you know all the details about something, it scares you. Right. Yeah. And it's better to be a little bit ignorant. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger talked about this when buying real estate. He was like, Hey, when I started off on my real estate journey, I would basically use common sense. I'd walk the property. I'd walk around it, determine if it was a good buy. I would do the math. 
and then I'd buy it. He's like, if I would have known all the risk that was associated with that decision at the point in time that I made it, he's like, I probably right. wouldn't have done it. Right. So I thought they did a really good job of not getting super, super micro into the details, but also um, to keep themselves committed to it and not overthinking it. But then there was a couple of people that didn't prepare enough and it put them in a bad situation, right? Like with the, the guy with the shoes. So preparedness did play a factor. And then to, for contrast, when people climb Pikes Peak, they will typically train up for like a year yeah, before they go and do it. And these people didn't train up. They just went and did it within a few weeks. Okay. Uh, now they, they do train on their own. They do suffering Saturday, which is, you know, suffering Saturdays is my thing. Right. Wake yeah. up and do hard things. So I think that what they did in terms of preparation to succeed is that they had the habits and rituals, uh, and the routines that set them up for success in advance. Like they were prepared bef before the opportunity pre presented itself to some degree. Whereas a lot of people, they wait for the opportunity and then they want to get prepared. Yeah. Would you, you agree to that? You no, that I, I really like that back half of the answer. I think people really underestimate how much preparedness for anything in life starts with your character, essentially like who you actually are as a person or what you do. Like, you know, I'm, I make conscious decisions every day about things like that, about whatever it is, being more decisive, being more responsible, uh, being healthier, which I'm not the best at that one, but you know, stuff like that. And it, I'm not preparing for anything in particular, but I do have a feeling like, you know, when something comes along, yeah, hopefully, you know, I, I'm doing it all for a reason. Right. You know, when preparation, what they say, when preparation meets opportunity, that's lucky. Right. So we should always be preparing for the opportunity so that we can be lucky and get yeah. to the outcome. Um, but yeah, that's what these, these people do. And the reason why they, they prepare like that, um, is because of the culture that we have inside of conquer cat, right. you know, they do it for their own individual self, you know, personal reasons. Like they want to become more mentally tough. They want to increase their fitness, but there's a culture in conquer where there's almost like this expectation that you do hard things. Right. I say there oh, it's like there is, there is, there hundred percent <laughs> is. And everybody does, even if you, they didn't climb Pikes peak there, these, everybody is still going out and challenging themselves on a regular basis. They, they really are. And you see that all the time, Yeah. which actually is a good point that I wanted to bring up. Okay. Because this is a performance tactic. When I asked the members, that went up to the conquer quest, what their biggest takeaways were, you know, I was expecting a lot of individual things that helped them get to the top. Like, Oh, I talked to myself. Talk was on point or, you know, I focused on carrying, like not carrying so much weight that I couldn't, you know, hike up the mountain or whatever the individual lesson was. I was, I was thinking that they were going to provide that as their lesson learned. And I was surprised that a lot of them, told me that what got them to the top of the mountain was the team. And they said, if you want to accomplish a goal, multiple people told me this. They said, if you want to accomplish a goal, you need a team. Okay. And what they, what I peeled back and what I, what I pulled from there with that comment was that the reason why every individual got to the top that wanted to quit, that could, that said that they couldn't have done it on their own. The reason why they got to the top was because of the expectation of the team. They, per they performed to the level of the expectation of the team, which means that they're on the mountain and they're climbing. It's the last mile and they want to quit. They're done. But they choose not to because they don't want to let the team down and they know their team expects them to get to the top. So they keep going. Now, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Okay. We're all intrinsically motivated to achieve our personal goals, but not letting people down is a performance hack. And I think that we should all use that lesson to kind of audit the people that are around us and our quote unquote teams and yeah. ask ourselves, what's their expectation of me? Because if they don't have a high expectation of me, then I'm probably not going to behave or perform to my highest ability. Right. Like, for example, if somebody, if your friends and family all see you as the late person that's always late <laughs> to everything, right? What yeah. happened? What happens when that person is late? The team, what does the team say? 
Yeah, he's on brand. That's what we say. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have that friend. Yeah. Very on brand of him. Right. So when it comes time to show up for whatever meeting you and your friends are going to have, that person that's going to be there, he kind of, he says in his head, it's fine. Everybody knows that I'm always late. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so he behaves in a manner that's congruent with that. Now, if everybody expected him, if he was the guy that was always punctual, never mm-hmm. late, and and he's like, something happened where he's his timeline is delayed. He can't get to the event on time. He's going to be freaking out because he's going to be thinking of everybody else wondering why he's late. Man, people right. don't people don't expect me to be late. I need to get there. I need to get there. I need to get there. Yeah. How how powerful is that, man? To, so to know that and then be able to change your your peer group, your social circle so that people expect more from you. You know, that's some powerful stuff. So how do you do that? How do you because when I'm thinking about like pulling that late example as an example though, doesn't that have to start with you? Like don't you build that expectation from others by making the decision first yourself yeah. that you're going to be if you want to use that example, you know, you're going to be someone that's early to everything. Yep. But you know, whatever the case may be, like people people see you that way now. There is a Jeremiah Sullivan brand for sure that Jeremiah is going to be working out 6 hours a day. And he's going to be eating and coaching people on a Facebook live, you know, 70 times a week, like all that stuff. But none of that came out of an expectation for someone. Now there's an expectation for it, which helps drive you to keep it going. Yeah. But you you started by doing it. If you to to be a high performer and to, to achieve high performance, I do believe you have to be an architect of the expectation. Okay. Which means I have to consciously choose what expectation I'm going to set that way the environment the ecosystem forces me to stay accountable to that expectation right like when I started doing Facebook live coaching calls on top of the zoom calls that I do inside of Conquer Academy and the winner's table I knew that that was going to require a level of commitment from me yeah okay and so I knew if I did it one time it was going to be expected that I did it every single time. And so when I made the decision, I said, okay, I know now, now, now that I've done it once I have to perform and I have to do it again because people are going to expect it of me. So you, you do, you have to, as an individual to get yourself to that level of high performance, you have to create the expectation. You can change it. You can always change it. Okay. I know a guy that, uh, his schedule is, pretty busy and he's not always able to train with the team that I train with, with MMA. Okay. And sometimes it's on his, it's his schedule that disrupts him. Sometimes it's just him opting out and saying, I'm not going to be there. So there's a running joke that we'll, we'll only get to see him once a week. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of the running. That's the expectation that the team has. We're only going to see you once a week and then we're not going to see you again. Right. So then until the next week, whatever. So, but recently he started showing up more and more. And he, he showed up, there's been multiple weeks where he's been there on consecutive days and he's gotten a full week of training in. And now the running joke is, holy shit, we're going to keep seeing this person every single day. <laughs> and now it, it's, it's fueling that process. It's fueling that performance from him where he keeps showing up over and over and over again because everybody else is expecting of him, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a momentum that goes with that too, for sure. You, you never have like a still static expectation that people have of you it's kind of like a living or dying type of thing like with that guy you know you're either thinking less and less of him or you're thinking more and more of him or you're thinking more of him so he's gonna act in such a way that's gonna keep that going yeah absolutely so that was just a really good you know if you're you're taking notes which hey the listener you listen right now you need to take notes on that you need to know that you need to be an architect of the expectation you're putting on yourself Okay. And then go to work to change it. If you don't have people that are expecting the best from you, then you need to change a little bit of your actions, perform at your best so that they start treating that way or get some new friends in your, in your circle that expect more out of you. What about too? There's a caveat to that too. I feel like a lot of people have a lot of, have friends in their circle that actually expect less out of them. That can be pretty draining. Well, I will say the most, the world right now, is always trying to get you is always trying to make you feel good. 
Okay. And, and the world is, is designed to, and it's just, this is just natural. Some of this is just natural, but how many times do you hear people tell you, Oh, man, that's okay that you were late or, Hey, it's okay that, uh, you blew me off for the, the dinner date that we were supposed to go on. Like it's, it can be difficult to tell people, Hey man, that's not okay. Yeah. Like to, to demand from the person that they, you know, to change the expectation, to demand from them that they, they perform to what you, to raise the expectation. Right. So it's natural for us to be uh, super, super accommodating is what I'm saying. Okay. And that's some of that you want to, you want to, as a, as a person that wants to be a high performer, you want to coach people and your mm-hmm. team on not allowing you not to feed you the bullshit, not to feed you the cop out, not to feed you the justification, not to feed you the feel good. Like you want your friends to tell you the honest truth and to raise the expectation with you. Hey man, don't, don't allow me to slip like that. Like if I do that, no, I want you to tell me to my face that I should show up to the dinner date that we planned. I want you to tell me to my face that I shouldn't blow you off or whatever. Like as I got to take ownership of that as somebody that wants to be a top performer, you know, don't allow them to lower the expectation for me. Right. Any yeah. Thoughts, any thoughts on that? I, I had a bunch of thoughts on that, but I, I'm, I'm thinking, why is it so hard? I know I'm like that with people with the, just not holding them to an expectation. And I'm trying to think of like, why, well, it depends on the person. Obviously, the closer I am with them, usually the less afraid I am of confrontation with any of them. And then you're like, or because I genuinely expect more out of certain people than I do other people. So it's the ones that I that do show up late to work every single day or they show up late and they're like, you know, traffic was bad, whatever they say. And you're like, yeah, it's fine, whatever, so on and so forth. And I think a lot of it. I think of. I think a lot of the reason why we give people uh, a cop out, we allow them to, we lower the expectation is because we know we are imperfect, right? We don't want to be hypocritical. I can't tell somebody to show up and do these things if I know that I make mistakes sometimes. So I think sometimes that feedback comes from a place of insecurity right? of saying, I'm not perfect. Let me just go ahead and give this person um, a reason or just justify their behavior and and just acknowledge the fact that they're not perfect. So I think some of it comes from that. So I think that it, you know, the bottom line here is that it doesn't really matter where it's coming from so much is that we hold ourselves, We constantly look for ways to raise the expectation that we're putting on ourselves. If we want to be high, high performers, top performers, right. Can't, we can't shy away from that. Yeah. So we talked about preparation. We talked about the power of a team. Let me see what else we want to touch on for this that I think would be useful. Let's talk briefly about decision-making going up the mountain. Okay. And, and then anything else that you might have. So a lot of people struggle with making decisions. Justin, agree, disagree. Agree. Hands down, right? And how many people do you see struggling with overthinking? All of the people. Every single freaking <laughs> one of them, man. Struggle with overthinking, Okay. And I never do. No, I'm just kidding. I, I struggle with overthinking yeah. sometimes too. But I want to you know, help somebody with that because I saw a lot of it out there on the mountain. Whether somebody was in a leadership role or uh, maybe it was myself working through a problem set. But there were certain points along the journey where there was decisions to be made and there was a little bit of hesitation. For example, the guy that we had to pull off the mountain and send to the cabin. Right. Another example was we were about a mile from the top of the mountain and there were two routes to take. Okay. One route was basically traversing from, it was a switchback that if you took it, you were going to encounter a little bit of snow. Okay. The other route to get to the top was literally just straightforward. Climb these boulders. It's going to be super, super steep. It's going to fuck. It's going to smoke you and it's going to be very, very physically, more physically challenging because there's not as much of a, an, uh, um, you know, it's a steep, a steep incline versus a steady incline. So one of the leaders is sitting there and he's, I put him in charge and I tell him to make the call. I said, Hey, tell me which, which direction is the team going to go straight up or they're going to take the snow. And he was kind of, you know, going back and forth and 
waffling and what the decision would be. And I pressured him to make a decision and he, you know, he made it and, and we took the straightforward path. Okay. But what I realized through observing that, and then also observing people outside of the hike is that when people tend to overthink something, what they're really doing is they're trying to find the shortcut. They're trying to find the easy path, right? They're thinking like, yeah. okay, I got to get to the top of this mountain. Which route is easier? Right. Right. And, and, and when you stop, if you want to make faster decisions, we need to stop looking and wondering which one's going to take less work. Okay. Instead of thinking like that, which mm -hmm. what's the easiest path to success, blah, 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 blah. Instead, think of the journey, the route in terms of common sense. Okay. What's the common sense thing to do right now? Go left, go right. Maybe both of them are common sense. Hey man, either one works. So I think that if we default to common sense versus what's easy, you're going to be able to make faster decisions and not bog yourself down and finding the easiest, quickest solution. Because the honest truth is there is no such thing as uh, an easy path to the, to the top of the mountain. It's going to suck no matter what you choose. <laughs> yeah, dude, having that mindset can actually be very game changing. I think I have a little bit of that in me and um, just thinking like, like I'm going to hate or enjoy this equally, no matter which way I go. So just friggin' pick one and go. Yeah. Um, I started laughing there when you called it a shortcut at first, when you changed it to easy, that made a little bit more sense. Yeah. But you were saying, you know, when people are like waffling in their decisions, it's because they're looking for a shortcut. And I laughed because the thing that popped into my head was they're really just wasting time. Like yeah. I would guarantee 99 times out of a hundred, you'll spend more time trying to find the shortcut yeah. Then time you'll save by taking the shortcut. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like it's like people that like cheat on tests and like in in yeah. their academics, they spend more time researching right. ways right, to right. cheat and pass the test than <laughs> just studying and that pass the test. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, <laughs> I've seen people do that. They they almost have like these high tech methods of cheating on things, and I'm like, dude, I just looked at the flashcards for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Let's, let's, let's transition now. So we got some good tactics. We talked about the power of a team. We, if we want to reach, you know, top levels of success, we want to reach, uh, we want to become a high performer. We need to change the expectation that the team has of us. Um, we also need to make sure that we're preparing in advance for the opportunity that we may not know exists. We need to constantly be like the conquer Academy core value states. We need to hone our knife, prepare for the battle ahead. And then we also know that we need to, to make faster decisions. We need to not look for the easy path, stop looking for the shortcut and just, just default to common sense. What other things you want to hit on before we close out, Justin? I don't think there are other things I want to hit on. I like all the things we already hit on. Okay. What was the, uh, um, what, what did you enjoy about the event the most? Um, cause you got to watch the highlights. You got to yeah. listen to some of the members. What was the most enjoyable part for, through through all of that for you? Yeah. First of all, we probably should have said this way earlier, but for clarity, I was not there. Oh, should have. When yeah. you keep <laughs> saying all this stuff. Um, but I did watch it. I thought it was interesting. I don't know. I kind of paid the most attention to who showed up, first of all. You know, knowing these people from working with them inside a Conquer Academy and stuff like that. It was interesting to me to see like that it wasn't just the most physically in shape people that were showing up. It wasn't just the most that I could like, it was a good mix of people and what the motivation is for someone to actually do an event like this. Yeah. That's good. Try to hear, to man. Piece that together. Yeah. And I, th I like what you said too, before, you know, off, off uh recording here where you said, you know, looking at the mountain didn't seem like that big of a deal until you started yep. listening to what everybody went through, the trauma that they went through, the the sleep deprivation, the yeah. the damaged feet, the, I mean, there's several members that their, their feet won't even fit, wouldn't even fit in their shoes the day after the event, you know? And, you know, I think that if, if somebody can fly in and go climb a 14 er with very little deliberate preparation right. and they can accomplish that, Okay. And they can push through those limitations, man. And, and it gets to the point where their body is physically shutting down and their mind, they can just, they can drag their body along for the ride. They can accomplish the mission. They can accomplish the objective. If, if this crew can do that, 
we can all realize that we're holding back in our personal lives. Okay. And we should, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, change our big four from a lowercase b to a bigger case or uppercase. uppercase. <laughs> <laughs> There's Dang. another one. Dang it. Two all hour right. and two second montage of Jeremiah's group. Uh, right all right. <laughs> I get ahead of myself sometimes. Okay. But be, but either way, man, um, what I mean is that we can all maybe set some bigger goals yeah. and stop playing so safe. And when you do that, when you do set big goals, realize that, man, it's going to be a long, hard journey to the top of the mountain. If you're look, and if you're looking for the easy path, if you're looking for the shortcut, realize there's no such thing and that you're just wasting time waffling instead of acting and climbing. You know, so that's my biggest takeaway for the listener right now. Live, live, think a little bit bigger, be a little bit more patient, put your head down and get to work, climb the mountain. Okay. So that's my message for you today. And, uh, I think if you focus on that, I know for a fact, it's going to make your journey to your, to the goal that you work on a little bit more attainable. Okay. And I want you to focus on, you know, just like we climb that mountain, put one foot in front of the other. You need to put your hands on your knees and take a breather. That's fine. But dig deep. Get yourself around a good team that's going to demand the best from you. Prepare now. And when that opportunity meets, you'll just you'll get lucky. Until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder. But my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Pride myself when I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it.